This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the forensic files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and have we got a great show for you tonight? No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing. It's the request line again. (sighs) All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Mamma mia, mamma mia. Freddie? Freddie Mercury? From the great beyond? Wow, you're one of the greatest rock singers of all time. Big fan. It's an honor. Mamma mia, mamma mia. Hey, congrats for being number 14 on Rolling Stone's top 200 singers of all time list. You're in some great company. Mamma mia, mamma mia. What do you mean you would have been higher on the list, but some jerk off at Rolling Stone listened to our overrated bands episode and was so impressed with my compelling, persuasive, and well-reasoned argument that they decided to drop you down a few spots? Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? Mamma mia, mamma mia. Fat Bottom Girls by Queen? You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Fat Bottom Girls by Classic Rock Royalty Queen. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. Here's another Q102 concert event. July 29th at Civic Auditorium, ECDC. Brace yourself for a rock and roll super shot. Special guest, White Lion. Tickets at the Civic Auditorium, all Homer's Records, Yonkers Ticket Centers, Pickles, Ticks, or Charge at 402-342-7107. Friday night, July 29th. The Mega Shock, a contemporary presentation. ACDC. Breaking news! What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right, gang, we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter, Rico Burgundy, on the line. Seven-time Silver Sow winner and winner of the 1973 Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest 
a fitting championship for tonight's episode, sir. How are you, Rico? I'm doing fantastic. I love my Nathans, man. What do you? What's your? Uh, what is your go-to condiment on your hot dog? Well, you know, a lot of people are anti ketchup and mustard. I will actually do both. I don't give a shit, you know. And I want, <laughs> I want relish on there. I'll even do some onion on there, or just fuck all that shit and just slop some chili on that mug and be done with it. Oh, hell yeah. Now, when you do chili, do you go chili by itself or do you have to have cheese with it or like diced onions or something? I mean, I'll do diced onions. I don't want the cheesy thing. I don't want to, I don't want the gooiness. No. You? No. Uh, it, you know, I, I've, I've done all combos. Now, if you have ketchup, do you have to have yellow mustard with it or do you go stadium mustard with the ketchup or does the stadium mustard have to be by itself? Okay, well, all of this, let me just point out that all of this is ridiculous because nothing has to be anything when it comes to me and food. I am not a picky eater. I don't make rules. I'm like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I've got ketchup. There's no way I can have stadium mustard. It's got to be yellow. Whatever. Mustard's fine. I'd prefer stadium, but so what? I can do yellow. Whatever. Good man. Listen, man. A dog is a dog is a dog. Every once in a while, you got to have one. That's true. Do you go like fried or microwaved or steamed or what? Or it doesn't matter. Just put it in your face, right? Doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I don't lot. Sometimes I don't want to fuck around with boiling water. You know, first world problems. I'll just toss it in the microwave. It just depends. <laughs> Got it. All right. So enough dog talk. Um, so, you know, this week, um, the Rock uh, Rolling Stone released its list of greatest singers of all times i guess they did another one of these lists back in 2008 right so yeah man you know how really tight and irrefutable their lists are and by by that i mean i have a problem with almost every list that they make and it's really no different with this one so i want to just throw out a couple things at you with this list and then i'm gonna tell you why i feel like this whole list is just a big giant farce so i'm just gonna throw out the top five and, and you just tell me if you agree with this just real quick mariah carey billy holiday sam cook whitney houston and whoa, 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 whoa. wait a whoa, minute whoa. are those are you counting back five eight, five, to five one? down to one yeah five is mariah carey four billy holiday sam cook whitney houston aretha franklin aretha at the one spot getting some <clears throat> respect got it you got it so i i don't have too big of an issue with this list um but there there are a few things that i wanted to point out just to get your opinion on this for example they put kurt cobain at 36 and barbara streisand at 147 i didn't know kurt cobain was on the list yeah and lou reed's on the list too and I didn't know he, he, I don't think he ever sang anything. He's a poet, dude, right? <laughs> but here's the biggest reason I have a problem with this. Guess who is not even on the list? And I scoured the list twice. And if I missed it, then I'm, then I'm my bad. But this, the, this person being off of this list makes this whole thing a farce. Ann Wilson isn't even on the list. Wow. Well, I thought I saw Metal Sucks had 
kind of published a piece on this and said that like Lane Staley and I think I mean I could be off but is Chris Cornell not on the list like there's some pretty obvious I think names in the rock world yeah there's some there are some pretty were those were those accurate did you know or not yeah uh Cornell is on the list I think um Jim Morrison not on the list I thought that was kind of um unusual John Lennon they put at 12 and there's so many other people on that like list that are much better singers than him this list is a joke just because ann wilson's not on it um it's ridiculous i have a problem i mean this is supposed to be like one of the most reputable rock and roll slash music media outlets out there but their lists always stink scott help me with this no one gives a shit about Rolling Stone anymore. Rolling Stone hasn't been relevant in 30 years to anybody. Go talk to a, it. Boomers care about it and some Gen Xers care about it. And that's it. No one cares about Rolling Stone anymore. So these lists to me are just things they put out periodically to like troll people. And it That's gets it gets point. you and I talking about it, and it gets some run online, but no one cares about it. I, I saw a Twitter thread like maybe a year and a half ago where somebody was bitching about Rolling Stone, and some young cat got in there who was like a producer or something, and he's like, do you give, think any of us give a fuck about Ro Rolling Stone? <laughs> gratuitous boomerism plus five million for rolling stone <laughs> not it's it's not relevant it they are it's, it's irrelevant to modern music and to young people rolling stone matters nada doesn't matter all right doesn't fine matter. we've already given them way too much of our time so you know uh as of the re recording of this episode icky pop's new album is coming out tomorrow which is friday january Hold on January 6th on Friday, Iggy Pop's new album's coming out, right? Some pretty um interesting people on this album. We've got Taylor Hawkins, Chad Smith, um, John Klinghoffer, Duff, Duff McKeegan's on here, uh, Stone Gosser, Travis Barker, and, and some other people. But the most interesting thing about Iggy Pop that that he mentioned when he was you know doing his roundabouts about this album did you know that acdc tried to recruit him i saw this on the internet i'd never heard this before in my life and there's no like he's kind of like um cagey about when that is so we think about three times whenever acdc needed a singer when they fired the uh the first guy and then hired a uh, bond scott i can't remember the first guy's name dave something i can't remember and then of course when bond scott died and then of course when they replaced brian johnson temporarily with axel rose so three incidents so it's one of those three times i'm assuming yeah but i'd never heard of this before very very interesting hmm. how do you think uh first of all do you think that would have flown and how do you think that would have been different compared to how brian johnson's version of acdc went well Worse? assuming oh. or better whoa assuming it was for now if it was in 1980 and they asked iggy pop or floated the idea of iggy pop uh, you know iggy pop was never going to deliver a 
back in black that you know sold a gazillion right. copies <laughs> but he could very much have continued on in the vein of like a bond scott you know where you just kind of have this pirate on lead vocals um but i don't know i mean how would it have flown i don't know certainly would not have been commercially successful so i think <laughs> that's something acdc was after at that point in their career was commercial yep. success so um probably would not have been a um wise career move if you wanted commercial success but if they just wanted to make dirty rock and roll and you know people like me probably would have really liked it got it yeah i uh I think it would have been bad. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so here's another thing I thought. When's the, when's the last time System of a Down put out anything new? Well, they haven't, right? Yeah, it was the double album, right? Mesmerize, Hypnotize. Like, That's it. Whatever that so, was, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, like 15 years ago. So their drummer um was on the battle line podcast recently and they were talking about this about what's their the band's current state yada 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 he um and i i, I wasn't aware of this he essentially said we should have fired him a long time ago because they've been pissing around waiting for him to decide if he wants to do anything with the band and i guess everybody else has been on the same page about kind of moving forward although you know no they don't always agree on anything just like any group right but the other guys were essentially on the same page about wanting to do something and they've been waiting for essentially almost 15 years for Serge to get off his ass and decide if he wants to do something so they're like we've wasted 15 years of our lives we should have fired him a long time ago hmm and and got another singer until he decided what he wanted to do yeah on that pretty surprising to hear that actually yeah it's kind of interesting because they almost could have gone like um like an alice in chains route because jerry cantrell does a lot of singing in alice in chains and they hired another guitar player who sings and handles lane's parts but um their guitar player did did and and does a lot of singing in system of a down just like yeah. jerry cantrell does so they could almost just not add a member and just have the guitar player sing so what's the the time frame the allowable time frame here i mean is is do you do you remain loyal and stick with your guy for 10 or 15 years or i mean what's it i guess what's the acceptable amount of time to 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 spend waiting for for your guy your lead singer in this case like what do you think is the acceptable amount of time 15 is too fucking long man way My too long God. right the whole Jesus. the whole world is going to change in 15 years you can't do that i say like a couple of years right a few yeah. less than five yeah at some point if you're going to still remain like a functioning entity you have to move forward and do some product or tour and if he's not on Something. board with that you have to cut your losses yeah dude i and and those two albums were they they had such a good thing going with those two albums and they could have ridden that momentum for probably another couple of albums and yeah, i mean great band those are killer albums they had a nice string of really good albums so yeah it yep. feels like but you know what honestly i don't have a problem with it because 
you know, professionally, I'm sure they want to keep going. But I like the fact that to me as a fan, they've got a nice, tight, perfect discography. I didn't have to like see them do shitty sellout albums or their disco album or make load and reload. I just, you know, they just did, a, <laughs> they just have a perfect discography. I don't need more from them. I'm a less is more guy. I don't need a 50 album catalog, half of which I don't like, you know, it's a good point that, you know, the, again, we always bring up the police example, you know, they put out a handful of albums that got out while they were on top and nobody ever told them they hung on too long, which is victory for them. Right. It, not a zit on that discography pretty much blemish definitely not definitely not so how much do you listen to how much how much do you listen to behemoth do you listen to any behemoth at all i saw them in concert but really? don't don't listen to them and what's your i know you're not really super into like death metal and black metal and shit like that are you no i'm not okay so behemoth is a, a polish band they're polish which yep. and and the the couple of times the couple of videos of Batushka that I Scott saw just scared me the fuck off. So <laughs> I, I I won't be consuming any Polish death metal um, <laughs> because Batushka just scared the shit out of me, and I still have nightmares about that. But um, their band their band leader Adam Negral Darsky um, said some really interesting things um, about new metal. He's um which we've been talking about this forever and this is a lot about why we do this podcast he, he says that new metal albums are robotic hmm. too, it's too perfect he says there's no organ i mean i'm just paraphrasing but i've got the article if anybody wants to read it it's um it's from uh, loudwire um he, it's essentially that he's he said it's too perfect the clicks are too perfect. The drum beats are too perfect. There's nothing organic or up and the 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 the. There's no ups and downs. There's no varying of volumes. Everything is just super tight and perfect. And he said it sucks. It sounds too robotic. I think that's pretty awesome that somebody, especially in death metal. And one other thing I found pretty interesting is this dude is also in a country blues band. Did you know hmm. that? Yeah. I did not know that. I thought that was pretty cool that the lead of a death, a Polish death metal band also does country and blues. So that's pretty cool. But it's even cooler that somebody besides me and you and Rick Beato is finally saying that it's too perfect and all the, the computerization, the digitization of music is actually hurting it and not helping it. Finally, I'm glad somebody finally said something. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I guess AI is writing death metal songs now, so they won't just replace us in all of our all of our places of work, but they'll also write the next death metal album. So, you know, it, why should humans sound robotic if we literally have robots writing music now? So, <laughs> yeah. true. That's a very good point. Maybe you know, lean you can... into the human thing a little bit. It might be all we have. Exactly. So, yeah, um... I don't really have anything else. When we come back after a small break, we're going to talk some Queen and Fat Bottom Girls. So we'll be right back. This is Kiss, each sold separately, and you can put them in any crazy pose you Kiss. want. That's the name. Kiss. They made 
Each 12 and a half inch figure sold separately by Mego. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country western and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955. On this day, the birth of rock and roll gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, Rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll, with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of mad jack to witness their long past the sell by date asses on stage, and with its chauvinism misogyny and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities and with its aging fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn rock has indeed passed into the celestial void may rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. All right, gang, welcome back. We're going to be talking Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. That's right, Fat Bottom Girls. I love Fat Bottom Girls. This is off the song of the album Jazz, released in 1978. There's an album version that's a little bit longer and a radio version that's a little bit shorter at 3 minutes and 22 seconds. EMI and Electra label. Brian May actually wrote the song. Can you believe? Did you know that? I know it now. Yeah, Brian May actually wrote the song. Um, and producers are Queen and uh, Roy Thomas Baker. All right, rabid rock fans, you heard the man. It's Fat Bottom Girls, Queen. We got to do our job now. We got to do our autopsy on this mug, right? That's right, baby. How do we get it done? We've got five scientifically proven categories. Failsafe. They are gratuitous boomerism, excessive misogyny, wanton whiteness, malignant machismo, culture vulturism rico the song is fat bottom girls the band the legendary queen the category gratuitous boomerism sir how do you score and and by the way freddie mercury was 14th on that list of the top uh 100 200 the rolling stones list he was 14th on the list um gratuitous boomerism are, are do they, are they taking a point of view or a stance that is no longer relevant today? Let me ask you this, Scott. 
or let me let me let me just say this i i i exercise a lot and i watch a lot of exercise videos um and i can tell you that there's a large portion of the gym going female population that go out of their way to get bigger asses and that is a fact so for me this is getting a big fat zero for boomerism but but <clears throat> but are you, are you going to acknowledge the <laughs> the reference but, no i got it um you know listen it, are are we fat shaming here are we allowed to say fat anymore I, I don't know, I know, but I mean, the fact that one, we're, we're looking at the bums of women. We are discussing the robust and rotund nature of those buns. So are we allowed to do that in 20 now, as we rolled over from the 22 to the 23, are we allowed to do this or is this boomer voyeurism where they were allowed to appreciate the large bum and wax philosophic about it from the male perspective so was this they captured a boomer moment when they could do this and get away with it not only did they do it and get away with it but there was an alternate cover for the record where they got uh, a thousand women naked on bicycles to pose for the cover of the record awesome right they held a race to promote the album and they did a poster at the start of the race with just a sea of naked women on bicycles. They all agreed to do it. This could only happen in 1978, right? So I'm going to give it a one for gratuitous boomerism right. because I think it's operating from an angle that only boomers had the pleasure of enjoying. See, now, I just, dead. I just see it as, okay, so Brian May wrote the song with freddie mercury in mind and he maybe put a he said he he in an interview he said maybe he put a little bit of himself into it but it's really about freddie mercury and he just liked chicks and dudes with big asses man he liked chunky monkeys and i think that should be celebrated that he wasn't especially now think about this especially when this song was written in 1978 in an era where everybody was super coked out and too skinny from not eating for him to go out of his way and the band to go out of their way to celebrate like plumpness and voluptuous women and guys too. I think that should be celebrated and it's glorious, right? Uh, everybody's plump now. Um, yeah, it's true. except for you in the gym all the time. Um, well, I'm not sure about that, but all right. Category two, yeah. excessive misogyny. Rico, I have the lyrics available if you'd like me to bring them up for you. Yes, please uh, help me out. I'm going to skip past the intro, which is just the chorus. Yeah. It, the song actually opens with the chorus, which is kind of a a, a, a baller move. You know, the old, right. old saying goes, don't bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> when you start a song with the chorus you are saying we want to hit here because we're not even going to fuck around with a guitar riff a drum beat a verse we're just going to give you the chorus right out of the box that's verse right. one hey i was just a skinny lad never knew no good from bad but a new life before i left my nursery huh 
left alone with big fat fanny she was such a naughty nanny hey big woman you made a bad boy out of me hey hey woo <laughs> you want me to read the second verse yeah man i love these lyrics they're so cool I've been singing with my band across the water, across the land. I've seen every blue-eyed floozy on the way. Hey, but the beauty, but their beauty and their style went kind of smooth after a while. Take me to them dirty ladies every time. Come on. And we get finally, we get to the chorus, which yeah. now it's to be the second time you're hearing it. Right. I'll just roll through all the lyrics here. Oh, yeah. Oh, won't you take me home tonight? Oh, down beside your red firelight. Oh. You give it all you got. Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go around. Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go around. Final verse. Hey, listen here. Now I got mortgages on homes. I got stiffness in my bones. Ain't no beauty queens in this locality, I tell you. Oh, but I still get my pleasure. Still got my greatest treasure. Hey, big woman, you're going to make a big man out of me. Now get this. That's get it, on man. Your boxer, then get it, uh, on your bikes and ride them. Yep, then it yeah, makes man. a reference to the uh, the B-side. Get on your bikes and ride. Yeah, actually, um, this song and Bicycle Race were like released as a double A, like back-to-back, -back, like We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. Yep. Um, I feel like I, I'm going to give this a zero for misogyny because I feel like it's the complete opposite. Not only are they not putting their thumb on field female, but they're like saying, hey, man, I love big women and i love those type of women because they're just better and i love them and they 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 just are just better in every way and i just like them all it's right it's just that is the worst rationale for my one ever like i sounded like you gave it a zero right i gave it a zero but i sounded like a four-year-old with my explanation by the way but i'm sticking to it I feel like it's the opposite of misogyny. They're actually celebrating the the voluptuous woman in this song. Of course they are, but I'm going to give it a one because I'm I've got my 2023 lenses on, and frankly, in the new year, I want to kill more rock and roll. Let me cite this little quote here from uh, Rolling Stone review in 1979 by Dave Marsh, who panned the jazz album that this song sets on as more of the same dull pastiche from queen who he said displayed elitist notions with some of their musical choices and lyrics marsh said fat bottom girls treated women not as sex objects but as objects period the way the band regards people in general and finished by famously tagging queen the first truly fascist rock band wow bam i'm giving it a one i'm well, sticking for, with my boy Dave from the Marsh. media outlet from the from the media outlet that we said was irrelevant five <laughs> minutes ago <laughs> i brought in both sides of the fence i'm panning rolling at a baby news segment wow fast i can tell well i can tell you you know this is this was their seventh album and when when any band i don't care how good or famous you are once you hit your seventh album you're gonna get this album this album i their words in re with regard to the entire album i kind of agree with it's the type of album it's your typical seventh album where 
you're going to have maybe one or two decent songs on there. And the rest of them are going to be typical songs of that band that only hardcore fans of that band are going to ever appreciate in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with them from that from that perspective. But I don't agree with them on the I mean, sure. Okay, fine. Songs that talk about women generally are objectifying them. I mean, let's look at the entire decade of the 80s that are just two years after this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but they're not objecting. They're object. They're, I see it less as objectifying them and more as celebrating them. I think but, you're right. But I've got my 2023 glasses on as sure. I read reviews from 1978. None of this is making any sense. You don't like Rolling Stone? I'll give you Michael Co Mitchell Cohen of Cream gave another negative review calling jazz absurdly dull and filled with, with dumb that. ideas and imitative Agreed. posturing. Agree. I agree with that. Have you listened to the album? no <laughs> it's 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 uh i i listen to it's like a it's like a typical if you listen to this album you would say yep this is queen's seventh album it's 1978 they're 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 it's like a rock piano album it's like elton john and um billy joel it's like kind of in that vein a little bit mixed in with some like typical freddie mercury cabaret kind of shit and yeah man the album's kind of boring but it's typical of them you know the songs aren't bad per se but these two songs are by far the best two songs on the album in my opinion but i totally agree with that but yeah i'm not seeing any i'm, I'm gonna stick with my zero on the misogyny um just not well, seeing it we are at loggerheads i have scored a one in both of the first two categories you have scored a, scored a zero yep. rico you asked for disagreement in this podcast in 2023 and almost it. as if it was planned ahead of time yes you are getting it i just can't wait till we start slinging mud at each other for not agreeing are we that cheap are we are we whoring ourselves so much to fake disagreement just to have a more interesting podcast this had better be real category three wanton whiteness fat bottom girls rico how do you score yeah once again um celebrating the plumpness uh of a girl is not a white thing at all uh, in fact it's it's definitely multicultural i and, and in fact i'll cite 12 years later sir mix a lot did a rap called what i like big butts and i can't then right and nobody had a problem with that song Actually, that song, by comparison, was much more popular than this song ever was, right? And it was basically the same song, except I mean, it was a rap by a black guy and not a song by a white Moroccan dude. I mean, this song has so, been on classic rock radio for like 40 over you know 40 years now like daily you know so fat we've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of fat bottom girls in my time, man. You know you what? Think I is there like a dual thing going on here where they've got the the fat bottom girls on one side and the bicycle race on the other? Are they are they like trying to say like mix in some lettuce and some exercise and work the butt off? Cognitive dissonance, man. On one hand, they're telling you they they want you to be fat, but then on the other hand, they're telling you to get on a bike and ride. So they're like causing cog. I'm not sure what what's going on there. I'm Can't even confused thinking about it but a little causing me some cognitive dissonance for sure.
but I'm for my for. I'm sorry, my whiteness score officially is going to be a zero on this. Okay, and I'm going to go for a zero as well because I know for a fact that the brothers like big asses. Very true. Category four: malignant machismo. Rico, how do you score? Um. Yeah, dude. I think um, it's gonna be as it's probably gonna be. I mean, you might give him a point five for the yes and the huhs and his delivery. His delit Freddie Mercury's delivery in the song is kind of macho, but on the other hand, the lyrics talk about his nanny making a man out of him. So that's not very macho. So maybe I split the difference and call it a 0.5 just because his delivery is macho, but the message itself is not exactly what you would consider machismo, so to speak. So I'm going to split the difference and give him a 0.5. Yeah, I'm not feeling it on this, on this track deliver delivery or lyrics. I'm just not seeing the machismo. You know, it's, it's not submissive, but it's not, there's not a macho dominance here either. So I'm just not seeing it. Let's move on to category five, our final category as our dear listener waits with bated breath to find out how we score fat bottom girls with you and I disagreeing early in the new year. Yeah, Like what's going to happen the other 12 and a half months or 11 and a half months. Holy Christ. War. Fat bottom girls, culture vulturism. Rico, how do you score? Um, so this is just a straight up rock tune, um, which I love. And did you know actually that this was one of the few songs that they ever did that was detuned? Yeah, drop D, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't now now answer me before I go go with my score. I'm 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 let's just get that. I'm gonna do a zero. They're not really vulturing it. They're not appropriating any anything that would cause me to want to give this a score other than a zero. But let me ask you this. You've heard this song a bazillion times. What do you think? Why? Because I'm still in some respects trying to wrap my because I'm not like the guitar player that you are. Okay. So I sometimes I still wrap my head around detuning okay so what what makes this song better detuned than in regular tuning well i think this is actually in drop d tuning mm -hmm. where you take the e drop string d. and drop it all the way down to d so then you yeah. can play like one finger power chords it's a very grunge nirvana Soundgarden, alice in chains thing to do so so you, I was going to say, well, so what makes this song better in drop D than in regular E tune? I mean, there were a few, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just, I would have to like, look at what he's actually playing. I can't say that I actually noticed it listening to it, but there are a lot of tracks from back. Like Van Halen had a ton of tracks in drop D back then. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, a rare thing. I mean, typically when you think of grunge, the obviousness of it is simple one finger power chords for players of minimal or limited ability mm -hmm. like Kurt Cobain and a heavier, thicker sound, right? Yeah. But for someone who's virtuo, you know, kind of a virtuoso like Brian May, I think it was just probably opened up some creative ideas for him possibly. But I don't know. I'd have to sit down and kind of look at the music and see what it is that they did mm -hmm. with it that was interesting. 
just, just listening to it i can't tell yeah i was gonna say like i know there's some songs that we listen to that you're like oh yeah that's in drop d and and uh is there like a trick to to know you know that something's in that's in drop d tuning or not or it just sounds more beefier and deeper Usually it's like if you want to figure a song out, you pick up your guitar and try to find what key it's in, and you're like, oh, they've got that in drop, and then you, oh. just, <laughs> you just realize it. Hey, we got a minute and a half. Let's just wrap this thing up. Right yeah, so uh, that uh, what do you so got, man? I got a zero for culture uh, for culture vulturism. So, and I've got a zero as well. So, what is your total score for my bottom girls? Total is a blah, 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 point. 0.5 just a just a measly 0.5 and i've got two and that gives us a grand total of rico two and a half points so they definitely didn't kill rock with this song i came on strong i tried to get some early scoring and i tried <laughs> to call balls and strikes as i see them but uh, alas your inability to step up and recognize this song for the misogynist boomer piece of shit that it is rendered it useless and so now it just had no effect at all in the history of rock and roll it just existed it, it, it's not me man it's the science the science never lies all right gang got less than a minute good night now Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah! Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, We'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs>